0: The American Petroleum Institute, driving safety, environmental protection, and sustainability across the natural gas and oil industry through world-class standards and safety programs. Since its formation as a standard-setting organization in 1919, API has developed more than 800 standards to enhance industry operations worldwide. Find out more at api.org. listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Paige Wilson. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry.
1: You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by the American Petroleum Institute. I
0: cannot believe this is something that's been going on for a long time, peeps. We love IBM. They're still friends of the show. They're actually still hosting one of our shows. They're still sponsoring other stuff with OGGN. But this show, which is the number one all guys podcast in the world, is now sponsored by API, American Petroleum Institute. And if you listen to me for any length of time, you know that I'm on the board of directors, but I'm on the board of directors for the Houston chapter. This is the parent company. This is the lobby group, the standards group. It's
1: what you like to call DC.
0: Yeah, and I'm just so thankful and so happy that API decided to step in and sponsor this show. It shows their commitment to help and educate the world on the value of hydrocarbons and what the oil and gas industry brings to mankind. And so we welcome them into the family Well, they've been listening for a really long time. Oh, they have been. This is fantastic. So welcome to the Family API. Thank you for sponsoring this show. Let's keep going.
1: All right. So we got reviews. An easy had to leave a review, just like everyone else. Just go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash OGTW. And
0: Actually, let me stop for a
1: second. Yeah? We had some changes in the
0: technology, and for a little while, that link didn't work. Oh. And so now it's been fixed. So we've now fixed that link. So you should be able to go to the show notes and click on it leave us a review. Oh, good. Other thing I want to remind all our listeners is Paige and I are taking the last two weeks off in December Like we purpose. always do. By the way, we'll still have episodes come out. So after this one, you're going to hear an episode Christmas. from 2022 uh-huh. of my predictions for 2023. So you can compare them to the Ooh. predictions you just listened to. And then we have our Christmas episode come out. And Paige and I, we'll be back with fresh content with our new sponsor, API, coming first week of January.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: You want to read the review?
1: No, you can do it now. Okay. Just because you put, put it on me, you get to do it. How about that?
0: All right, five-star energy experts, you need to listen. If you want to become an energy expert, you need to start by listening to this podcast. I agree. The balance that Mark and Paige bring to the show is always relevant, up-to-date, and insightful. It's like getting all the gossip about the oil patch from a cocktail party without the headache. Keep up the good work. <laughs> <laughs> what a great review. And I didn't copy the person's name, so whoever oh, no. uh, sent this in, thank you, thank you, thank you.
1: Oh no. All right. Well, so let's get into the news stories. Okay. Will oil and gas companies ramp up their use of generative AI in 2024?
0: Yeah, and I don't want to get too deep down the technology. If you don't know what generative AI is, a bunch of different types of AI. What's been hot for the last eight months or so is Chat GPT. That's a form of generative AI. To understand generative AI, just remember what it puts out is content. And whether that's pictures or text or audio or music, that's what generative AI is. So uh, will oil and gas companies ramp up the use of generative AI in 2024? It's an article in Rigzone. So the answer, bottom line, is yes. Uh, there's a bunch of discussions back and forth with another one of our sponsors in this article, Amazon Web Services, which is actually working with the oil and gas industry around generative AI and other forms of machine learning and AI. They also, this article talks a little bit about Crux OCM, which is also
1: <laughs> yeah. I've had Vicky yeah, on our, our show. show,
0: so this is like an article written about our friends. <laughs> um, <laughs> But a generative AI is coming to all industries, not just oil and gas. It's something that's being used a lot. We actually use it here to help craft things. We use a version called Claude AI, which helps us craft content to make sure that it's spelled correctly. And
1: yeah, you that help with really that. need it all.
0: I'm Grammar and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> I will say something interesting that they talk about here is they talk about BP is the first to start using Microsoft's AI version. I'm pretty sure that a couple other super majors have started using it as well. So I'm not sure why they say BP was the first. It could be BP's the first for using Microsoft AI, which is called Copilot, which if you haven't played around with it, if you're an Office 365 shop, get your administrator to turn it on, because it does things like it says, hey, Mark, this is a boring PowerPoint presentation. Let me fix it for you. What do you think? It's really cool. Oh, I need to mess with it. Yeah, same way with Excel spreadsheets. If you're not an Excel master and you need to quite understand formulas, Copilot from Microsoft will step in and help you with formulas in Excel.
1: God, I wish I had that whenever I was using it back in the day. I'm, I'm
0: telling you. So it's becoming a
1: part of our life. It has been
0: for a long time, but it's always behind the scenes. Now it's stepping up, and it's actually, we're using it to do things other than come up with AI content from large language models, which is how we first started playing with it. In our space, it's been used for a while already in the geosciences. It will continue to grow use there. What's interesting here, if you go through this articles, how Amazon says, and I agree with them that it's going to make things easy and more cost effective to use the generative AI in your business as a business partner and just as part of your normal tech stack. So pretty soon it'll become ambiguous, something that we just know is there that we use. What I don't see it doing a lot is eliminate jobs, which is everybody's fear in our industry.
1: Right. That's always a fear. Yeah. If it does eliminate
0: any jobs in the future, it's going to be jobs that people really don't want to do. For example, i talked talk about the PowerPoint presentation. There are people on payroll in the oil and gas industry whose job it is to do nothing more than prepare executives' PowerPoint presentations for meetings and stuff. So those type of jobs may disappear, but even then, I don't think that will.
1: Well, you still need that human element to it to kind of gauge it. Yeah. Well, I also think that the people that now are
0: helping put together presentations for meetings will just use this tool as another tool. Right. I don't think, to your point, Paige, I don't think we're going to actually lose the person. So, good article on the future of AI in the oil and gas space. It is being used now will continue being used. What's next?
1: Up next is Putin to visit Saudi Arabia. UAE and rare trip outside of Russia, which oh, that that wasn't on my bingo card. Well, you know why he's very careful about when he leaves Russia
0: because he's been charged with war crimes. I can't yeah. remember which country may have even been the UN, but because he's been charged with war crimes, he steps foot in the wrong country and be arrested.
1: Oh, I'm sure. So yeah, he's yeah, being yeah.
0: Very careful where he goes. Now, of course, Russia is part of OPEC Plus. They need to be buddies with OPEC, especially the UAE. Putin plans to be in Abu Dhabi, UAE. Actually. This week, which is right at the end of the COP climate meetings. That was oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Both of those are in the same place. One of the things that's going on is that Russia really needs to strengthen its allies with OPEC. It's one of the few outlets that Russia has to sell some of its oil, other than the oil that's hitting the black market through China and other places like that. Now, the Saudi Arabia's energy prime minister is A big fan of Putin's and a big fan on Moscow and their oil policy. In fact, they work on a lot of this stuff together. Even though we had production cuts just recently, the price has not gone up like everybody expected. It will go up. Just give it a little bit of time. But since Putin rarely leaves Russia, this is one of the few times he's actually leaving the country. And this is a show of strength for his partnership with OPEC, which he needs to keep going, because as his fight continues in the Ukraine, as they continue to spend money on that war, they need every penny they can get. And this is really what this is about. This is Putin to strengthen his business ties to make sure they can get every penny that they can.
1: Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. Venezuela's Maruto holds referendum whether to invade oil rich neighbor Guyana.
0: This is like a soap opera if you understand what's going on. Of course, Maduro is the president of Venezuela. We've softened our sanctions against Venezuela. We've heard me say this before. That Chevron's now gotten permits to actually export that heavy crude that our refineries love from Venezuela. That's starting to help the country and the people there. Mm-hmm. Now, Guiana is just literally right down the street, if you want to think about it, on the other side of the bay there. And Exxon's made a lot of big fines there, especially since 2014, 2015. Why is Venezuela want a referendum around Guiana? Because he wants those reserves. Right. Yeah. What's happening now, and here's where it starts getting weird, is Brazil is a big buddy with Venezuela. So now you have the Brazilian military, which is in the list of militaries in the world it's in the bottom.
1: Yeah, 10%. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But still, the Brazilian military is actually staffing up right now. They're moving soldiers and equipment closer to the border. And the other thing that's playing in this that nobody wants to talk about is that right now, our current administration politically needs to keep the price at the pump low because we're heading to an election cycle. Yeah, exactly. The lever they pulled last year was to drain the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, which was a horrible choice to make, but they made it. And that's a topic for another discussion later. Now the newest thing is our current administration is working really hard with Venezuela to try to increase the amount of crude that we can get in. As we head into our election season to keep the price at the pump load, our current administration actually changed some rules around the export bans for a few months to allow Venezuela to export more oil to the U.S. Now, this is a test of both our government's ability to do that sort of stuff without the other political party pushing back, which I think is going to happen. At the same time, not that long ago, the U.S. saw a Maduro and the rest of his allies as just frauds, as people that they didn't want in power. But with the need for our current administration to keep prices at the pump low, It looks like that the US is going to kind of look the other way while you're starting to see a military buildup on the border. Now, if something happens, the US needs to make a call. And I'm not sure what our current administration would do. Now you have to remember Exxon has a lot of these discoveries that they own them. Exxon was one of also companies that was kicked out of Venezuela when they nationalized. Mm. And so Exxon's already saying that these border issues are for governments and international organizations to address. I would not be surprised if the small scale warfare breaks out through this attempt by Venezuela to basically take away these all-wit reservoirs.
1: I mean, why not? There's already like two other wars happening. Well,
0: I would not be surprised if ExxonMobil pulls in some favors and all of a sudden a mercenary group shows up somewhere.
1: Yeah, that's true. And
0: stops all of this. They have a lot of money invested in there. What's going on with our U.S. government and Venezuela it's just wrong. And it's bad politics making bad decisions just in an attempt to win an election. Mm-hmm. Not looking out for the people in Ghana. I'm also encouraging Venezuela's leader to do stuff that he really shouldn't do. They're calling it a referendum, but what it really is 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 they just want to annex the all rich reservoirs of Guyana and say it's Venezuela's. We'll keep an eye on this. This could turn into something bigger, but I don't think it's going to be anywhere near as big as what's going on right now with Israel and the Gaza Strip, or with uh, Russia and the Ukraine.
1: Right. All right. When staying on the same topic, uh, Venezuelans vote for to claim sovereignty over. Oil rich region of Guyana.
0: Yeah, so this is the same referendum I'm talking about. 90% of the voters in Venezuela supposedly support this claim. I find it hard to believe any voter statistics that come out of Venezuela since this current. Regime.
1: Right, yeah.
0: Yeah, you don't know what the truth is. And unfortunately, the people in Venezuela for at least the last 10 or 15 years have literally starved to death. They had to trade. Crude off of rice and beans. There's no medical supplies. There's no diapers for kids. It's horrible what's going on there. And this current government says it's trying to fix it. I Just don't know what the truth is. I don't,
1: yeah, I don't trust Maruto.
0: Yeah, it's hard to understand what's going on over there. And just like this says, you know, it's hard for me to believe that 95% of the voters support this. However, I don't know what they know.
1: And who voted?
0: Yeah, but I'm pretty sure Venezuela controls the news that its people see. Oh, yeah. I don't think that's ever changed. Of course, the Venezuelan leadership is saying this is something we need to do to make it right for the poor people in Guyana. It's not right. It's not the right thing to do. And Guiana actually stepped in and asked the International Court of Justice to stop the referendum. Then the government of Venezuela said they would not recognize the authority of this court, even though this is the same court that Venezuela asked to pass the referendum, which once again (laughs) just makes no sense. But the International Court… Did order Venezuela not to take any steps at all, but I don't think the Venezuela government's gonna pay any attention. I don't think they're gonna comply.
1: Probably not.
0: So this is trouble brewing really close to home. We'll keep an eye on this.
1: Yep. Yep. Sri Lanka approves Sinopac's 4.5 billion refinery proposal.
0: Yeah, if you listen to me any length of time, talked about how politics in the U.S. makes it not the best place to put long-term very expensive capital investments into facilities that you have to build from scratch and you can't move. And this is Cinepec, China Cinepec, looking at places to build their next refinery. And it made the most sense to do it in India, Sri Lanka, I should say. The bid was approved. The cabinet cleared the state-owned refiner to go ahead and finish the project details. They signed an agreement with the government. And the whole reason they want to build this refinery is to export refined goods, which is smart for Cinepec's point of view. It also gives them access to a part of the world that they don't have access to now. Expect to see more of this sort of stuff where large nationalized oil companies build refineries and petrochemical plants outside of their current sphere of influence, but not in the US, just to start trying to grab some of the market that's there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so next up is plethora of natural gas discoveries offshore Norway could go untapped petroleum authority warns.
0: Yeah, so this is a very interesting article. So basically what it's saying is that there's tons and tons and tons of natural gas that has not been tapped to offshore Norway, so that part of the North Sea. However, they're saying that the ability to recover this natural gas is going to vary based on a lot of things, including politics. So there's a need for this natural gas. The natural gas is there. The North Sea, even though it's a very harsh environment, we've learned over a long period of time how to safely extract those resources, Mm -hmm. both for the environment and for the people. And so we know how to do this. However, because of politics and political uncertainty, they don't know if these natural gas resources are going to be tapped into. And the other thing is, it also depends on the price of natural gas. Price of natural gas actually right now is pretty low considering that Europe's in its winter and it just doesn't make fiscal sense to build the infrastructure and the fields that you need to bring this gas to market. However, if the price of natural gas goes up, which I expect it to go up, then it starts making more sense. The biggest thing here is really the lack of infrastructure, but a lot of the North Sea is already piped with pipelines and plets and manifolds. All they have to do is to build the infrastructure from these new fields and tap into the existing infrastructure and they'll bring it to market market is going to be interesting to watch what happens. Norway specifically for a long time has led the North Sea exploration and production. I love our Norwegian oil and gas people. That means they're able to do stuff nobody else can do. They eat pickled fish, though. But other than that... <laughs> it doesn't sound terrible, but I just like pickles. You know what? They also love whole milk. They drink whole milk.
1: Oh, milk. no, I can't do
0: that. They drink soft drinks. But anyway, the Norwegians really figure out how to do this well in the North Sea. Right. But they're also one of the countries that's catching a lot of flack in public because of the amount of money they make from hydrocarbons. Mm. Let's keep an eye on this. I suspect that a lot of these untapped reservoirs will be tapped into, and I think it's going to be a pricing thing. I think once the price of natural gas gets to a certain point, people are going to do it regardless of what the politics are.
1: Right, right. Speaking of politics, Biden's administration's new methane rule to hamper U.S. oil gas production trade associations warn.
0: Yeah, so you can read this article. Our new sponsor, API, has some good comments in here. IPAA is making comments in here. The Energy Workforce and Technology Council is making comments here. And they all basically saying the same thing, which is the truth. It's like, why are you doing this? All you're doing is adding a layer of cost to an industry that doesn't need another layer of cost. No kidding. We've already reduced the amount of methane ourselves. We're better at this than you are. And this is nothing but an underhanded way to add a cost to hydrocarbons. Who pays for that? You, the consumer, right? exactly. Now, one of the things that's in this new rule, which I'm really worried about, is they basically have what they call a super emitter program that lets third parties detect methane and report it to the EPA. And they do that and get a cash reward. So they're weaponizing, in my opinion.
1: That's exactly what they're doing. Other
0: organizations to basically tell on the oil and gas industry. So I fully expect organizations like Greenpeace, 360.org, maybe even just Stop Oil to invest in the tools and drones and everything you need to monitor methane leakage and then try to report this to the EPA so they get a cash reward and so that the oil and gas industry gets fined. Nobody likes that arrangement. I think that's almost unethical on how they're doing this. If you're going to pass this law, then government, like you do in other areas, have the government do the. Tracking the measuring. Don't let third parties do it on top of a cash reward for turning people in. That drives the wrong behavior.
1: That's exactly what it yeah. does. And yeah. so
0: you're gonna have people faking methane emissions to try to make cash. This is just a mess. The only good thing that's to come out of this is that as they pass this, and this is all brought up in the COP28, the climate meeting that just literally happened this week. The only good thing that may come out of this is it's actually taken disparage oil and gas organizations that normally don't cooperate together and it's gonna bring them all together. Well, that's good. So I, I like, like that. that. And I think once we go through our next election cycle here in the U.S., a lot of this stuff will just be thrown away. I Let's hope, hope so. fingers crossed. Yeah.
1: No kidding. No kidding. All right. Total Energies is sharing in-house drone tech to help NOCs hunt emissions.
0: This is awesome. Total Energies, this was probably eight, ten years ago, spent a lot of money running contests in universities for students to come up with a way to detect methane leakage and also co2 in a way that was very accurate very inexpensive something you could actually do in the field instead of just in the lab they've actually developed this techniques and it all boils down to a very proprietary sensor that is super accurate what's called an open path laser absorption spectrometer What's a mouthful Ooh. but <laughs> the cool thing is that it could take measurements of both methane and co2 24 times a second And by using machine learning with the way the wind flows, they can do it with a high degree of accuracy. They can tell not only where methane is leaking, but how much of it is in real time. So if you're running this down a pipeline, you can see if there's a leak in real time. And that way you can figure out your priorities of gearing up and having trucks rolled to figure out which leak you need to handle first and which leak do you need to handle last, which is huge in this to try to make sure we don't have negative impacts to the environment. And the cool thing about this is that Total is now sharing Their joint venture partners, the other nationalized oil companies, the same technology. This is what we need. Now just talked about what our current administration is doing in weaponizing methane emissions here's how it should be done, where the industry comes together, they share technology, they share best practices, and they work together, which is what we've always done. I love they're doing this. Hats off to Total, because they could have sold this if they wanted to. Hats off to sharing it for free with their joint venture partners to make sure that we all can track emissions and make sure that we negate any impact that we have to the environment.
1: Right on. All right. Next up is Fragile Equilibrium, Balancing LNG Trade and Market Risks.
0: Yeah, It's a weird thing. I'm firmly convinced as far and also as a lot of other experts that the LNG market will continue to grow, that it's the fuel of the future. That's what ExxonMobil made a bet on years ago, that LNG would be the fuel of the future. And it kind of got sideways for a little while. However, now we're back on track because, quite frankly, the promises of the renewals have not worked out. And literally, the only choice, especially when you're looking at the growth and need for energy in the world, and at the same time wanting to reduce emissions, is liquefied natural gas. Now, you know what's really cool about this article, page? What's that? It's the first time I've seen this. This is in the Journal of Petroleum Technology. As you read this article, it slowly fades out if you scroll down until you can't see the words anymore. I've never seen this before. And the reason it's doing that is that if you want to see the complete article, you have to be an SPE member. This is a unique use of technology to make you join <laughs> SPE, which actually owns the Journal of Petroleum Technology. And it's actually not invasive. It's not like those banner ads that pop up that aggravate you. But as you read this article, you slowly can only read so far and you get the words fade.
1: It's like the opposite of Star
0: Wars. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, however they did this, I think it's an intrusive way to try to get you to join SPE, which if you're in an oil and gas space, you probably should join SPE anyway. But anyway, great article. On the fact that the world is going to need more LNG, we need to supply LNG, but signing these long-term contracts at a set price point is a risk. And so how do you balance that risk? You don't sign the long-term contracts, you sign shorter-term contracts. And I think this back and forth will continue because when you sign these large-term contracts on LNG, when you're trying to buy enough LNG to fuel your country, that's huge dollars over a long period of time. So those are some really big bets. And you got to figure out a way to mitigate the risk on those big bets. And that's what's going on.
1: Okay. Okay. More students going into petroleum engineering programs as research works tilts to alternative energy.
0: I love that. Say that part again.
1: Which part? The whole thing?
0: More students going to petroleum engineering programs. Let me tell you what's cool about that. There's a huge shortage of petroleum engineers I know. right now. And it's going to get worse. So what's happening is the market's responding. These young kids have learned, which I didn't think they would, that there's a shortage of petroleum engineers. They're looking at their job opportunities and their future income potential. They're realizing that petroleum engineers is one of the top paying jobs out of college in the world ever. Mm-hmm. Now, more students are going into petroleum engineering, which what's going to happen with that is eventually the demand will be satisfied. Then there'll be an oversupply of petroleum engineers, which will drive prices down, and the cycle will happen again. The same things happen with nurses, doctors, lawyers, as if you look at the last 75 years of talent, those cycles continue to go back and forth. But I'm just so excited that kids are going into school to become petroleum engineers because, Paige, I seriously thought none of them would. Yeah. The anti-oil gas activist has convinced the world that we're destroying the planet and no young people want to go work for Chevron. I thought this just shows you that at some point common sense and financial reward and job security plays out over want wanted to say something you have to bleep out. But anyway, <laughs> this just shows that common sense wins out over rhetoric that's non-proven. So I love the fact that we're seeing a huge increase in kids going to school to become truly engineers. We need more.
1: Always great to see. Always great to see. Two new petrochemical plants are coming online in India.
0: Yeah. Once again, these are two multi-billion dollar petrochemical plants. Interesting thing is the timing for this. Petrochemicals will always be needed on this planet. The demand will always go up. Without petrochemicals, modern life is not possible. However, unlike 2021 and 2022 when petrochemicals were killing it as far as margins, now that undersupply has been met and now there's a bit of an oversupply. The pricing for petrochemicals is lower than it's been in quite a while. There's not as much revenue there. However, these two plants come on in India let you know that somewhere in the future that demand will increase or you wouldn't be putting this much money to build two new plants when the margins right now are lowest they've been in a while. Mm -hmm. So right now in the world, in case you're wondering when I'm talking about petrochemicals, I'm talking about really two things. And there's millions of petrochemicals, but polyethylene and uh, polypropylene, there's a bit of an oversupply right now. If you remember me talking in right after the pandemic in 2021 that the world would build in these ethylene crackers everywhere to produce this to make plastics because there's such a shortage. So in a few years, we went, from being a shortage of polyethylene and polypropylene to an oversupply. But these two petrochemical plants are actually going to make these two exact products. And both those products are basically used to make plastic. Once again, Russia's backing one of these refineries and then a couple of private companies are backing the other petrochemical plant that are being built. It's going to take them about seven years to get these things up and start producing product, which is right about the time I think that the oversupply of those two petrochemicals will actually turn into undersupply. So if they get their timing right, they're actually going to make some good money. But once again, this is just showing that the the demand for things like ethylene and propylene will increase as we go through time, just like the demand for increase in energy.
1: Right on, right on. All right, final article, Red Sea Attacks highlight significant escalation in maritime conflicts.
0: Yeah, so this is a really good article on a bunch, you know, they talk about MV Explorer and MV is merchant vessel in navy talk. So what's happened is in the Red Sea, the rebels have attacked a bunch of merchant vessels. There's actually been a couple of attempts to pirate some of these merchant vessels and they're using advanced weaponry like drones. The other thing they don't go into here that I know happened is there's actually one ballistic missile that was launched and the reason that's so noteworthy is Ballistic missiles usually are not accurate enough to take a ship out. The thing about ballistic missile is that it's launched from somewhere in the world. It goes up into outer space unbelievably fast. Wherever it gets to its target, it comes straight down, supersonic. So it's really hard to defeat because it's moving so fast, but they're not that accurate. The first time a ballistic missiles used to take out a ship, it didn't happen. However, that tells me that the bad guys are looking to test that. Mm -hmm. Um, Our current rate of defenses for ballistic missiles really is just to fire up the boilers and have the ship go as fast as it can to get out of the kill zone. Now, these UAVs and these drones can be taken out with a lot of different weapons. We have weapons that are designed just to do that. I will tell you something that's really funny. So, these rebels own these attacks. They admit they're doing these attacks. They're doing it for geopolitical reasons, trying to advance military capacity. And this all has to do with what's going on with Iran. So, I saw a picture of a, a US Navy. So I saw a picture from a drone from Iran that was following a US Navy ship. And the whole reason for the picture was to threaten the US, like, look, we have a drone literally over one of your ships. We could take out any time. Then the US posted a picture of a helicopter with four gunmen. Behind the drone, <laughs> 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 saying you think nobody knows you're here. Look behind you, drone. So I, I kind of thought that was funny. The Navy used a little bit of humor, basically, to show that we're on our
1: we're duty aware. we're and aware. We aware. Know what's
0: going on. Yeah, this is a mess, and any vessels that are in that part of the world needs to make sure they have their transponders on that identifies all vessels. Uh, airplanes have the same thing with what's going on with Israel and Hamas. All it would take is a mistake if the transponders down. Yeah, and somebody's Navy is gonna take out a vessel that maybe they shouldn't have. This is just a mess. I am glad the US Navy's there trying to keep the peace. And then in the middle of all this, the Smalley pirates who just, you're just pirates. They don't care about politics are using this situation to exploit situations. Mm-hmm. However, they tried to fire the ship, and we had a small missile carrier, U.S. Navy missile carrier, that was able to get to the scene and deploy a SEAL team. Now, the Somali powers decided they did not want to firefight the <laughs> SEAL team, so they just left, So, which is good. Nobody got hurt. It's good stuff. Yeah,
1: good. Very good.
0: Speaking of good, sign up for our newsletter. Our Sunday update is blowing up. I was featured in the last one. Yeah, you were featured in the last one, Yeah. yeah. People love it. It's not your typical newsletter. You get to see behind-the-scenes stuff with us. There's recipes in there. There's coupons to di- get discounts and all kinds of cool stuff that might be useful to you. So go sign up for the newsletter. Same way at the oil and gas events, especially if you're in sales and marketing. Just go to OGGN.com and hit the newsletter button and sign up there. Or go in the show notes for this show on your phone and sign up there as well. Weekly rig count page. Where are we?
1: United States is at 625. Up three. Canada's down five at 192. Internationally, we're up 16 at 978
0: love those numbers just like our linkedin page love those numbers as well you might as well go sign up for that as well uh merch we own the merch space in oil and gas world right now i've sold two shirts mark yeah so they're somewhere out there and thank you people is somebody walking around with page's face on their chest that's <laughs> so not funny. not this show not page and i but page's <laughs> show all and gas industry leaders <laughs> if you're listening and you bought those shirts take a picture of it post it on social and tag us on it and i'll send you a gift certificate and buy some more merch. Awesome! Yeah, we have to go check up the merch. So we have some really cool Christmas stuff. All gas Christmas stuff.
1: Yeah, we just had some Christmas stuff drop, right?
0: Yeah, we also have some new stuff that hit literally three days ago. Some it's kind of in your face for the activists. Some it's so all gas specific, like nothing worse than a dry hole or nipple up. If you're in the industry, you know what that means. If you're not in the industry, it's okay. Those are okay words to say. They have a very
1: just look them up. It's just okay. Look them up.
0: I guess that's it. You ready yeah. to get out of here? Yep. Remember, folks, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.